at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. The Holy Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive my, the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, <clears throat> Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, just last Sunday, one week ago, we read about the women who were carrying spices to the tomb uh, to care for Jesus' broken body. And of course, what they encountered when they arrived there was not the body of their dear friend and teacher, but instead an empty tomb and dazzling messengers from God telling them Jesus was not dead, he was alive. And then, having beheld this sight, some of them just went home. Um, some of them went to uh, share this report with their peers and colleagues. Mary Magdalene alone lingered outside the tomb and had this very unique personal encounter with the risen Christ. So, the Gospel of John says, having been sent by Jesus, Mary went and announced this good news to the disciples and relayed all that Jesus had told her. But, as we heard in today's Gospel passage, her report had little effect, perhaps no effect. Because uh, Luke's Gospel says the disciples considered the women's proclamation to be an idle tale, and our Gospel passage for today relates how despite Mary Magdalene's announcement and description of the events of Easter morning, when evening came, this group of disciples was nevertheless still fearfully locked behind closed doors, afraid. Our passage says the disciples had met at this house. The doors were locked out of fear, but inside of those locked doors, 
This week I've been wondering to myself, what were they doing behind those doors? What was happening that evening in that locked room? Were the disciples sitting there in silence, overwhelmed and paralyzed by their fear that now that Jesus was dead, they might be next? Or were they sitting around holding mugs of hot tea, kind of reflecting and discussing the events of the last few days in kind of like a group therapy session? Or were they beginning to try to consider the future, wondering aloud what could or should or even might come next after such an event as Jesus' crucifixion and death? Or were they simply crying on one another's shoulders, lamenting all that they had hoped would be, but now could not be? Well, I like to imagine that this group gathered for the purpose of mutual support and consolation. Because that is what the church is for. That's what real Jesus followers would have done, right? Someone sent around a message to the others and just said, you know, I think we should be together right now. And so they met to lean on each other, to find and proclaim some kind of hope to one another, to strengthen one another to face the difficult days ahead. I like to imagine that. But I also have some experience with humanity after a few years on this earth, so no matter how good their intentions for this meeting might have been, I also am keeping in mind how people react when they're under great stress and in times of grief. And then I'm under no illusion that this fearful gathering behind locked doors was necessarily a source of peace and assurance for anyone at all. I think there's at least as good a chance that this group of people who were bonded so tightly together by their faith and by their shared experiences following Jesus, I think even a group like that, maybe especially a group like that, in times of turmoil, trauma, uncertainty, lament, might begin to turn on each other instead. That feels like a real possibility to me. And I'm sure many of you have witnessed something like this in your own life, in your family or your social group or your church. Because we're human and we live with sin and it doesn't take very long of wondering together what went wrong or how could this have turned out differently before the questions become a little more pointed. Maybe the fingers begin to be pointed and conjectures begin to be thrown around that start with, well, if you would just have X, Y, or Z. So I wonder if when they gathered, it started quietly in their minds, those questions of whose fault this was. Was it only Judas who played a role? Who else, by their lack of effort or faithfulness or dedication, allowed Jesus to be betrayed and arrested and eventually crucified? And then those accusing questions become even more devastating and heartbreaking when the focus shifts inward. What could I have done differently? Look at all of the ways I failed and fell short over these past few days. What if I would not have run away in the garden? What if I would have tried harder to befriend Judas and try to convince him not to betray Jesus? What if I would have stood up next to Jesus at that sham trial instead of completely denying him outside? What if I would have pushed through the trauma to be there and stand at the foot of the cross as he died, like that group of women did? What if I would have 
listened more and learned faster and discipled better, would any of that have made a difference? Might Jesus still be here with us? I don't think it's much of a stretch to think that the disciples on Easter evening might have been gathered together enduring some turmoil, emotional, relational, and spiritual. Just a wash in guilt and self-pity, powerlessness and anger. Haven't all of us done something like that before? If something goes horribly wrong, we try to think of ways to justify ourselves or we search for ways to blame someone else. Finally, we simply beat ourselves up over our failings until we despair. So I imagine this group of disciples was experiencing a rather miserable gathering indeed. And no wonder Thomas stepped out for a while. Yes, those doors were locked in fear against what was outside, but perhaps the biggest danger came from inside the room. And it wasn't a physical enemy, but rather it was the power of blame and shame and pity and despair that can wreck every relationship and crush your soul. And wouldn't you know, that's the moment when Jesus shows up. In the midst of unimaginable grief and shock, shame and blame and everything else, Jesus appears in the flesh with the unexpected and powerful words, Peace be with you. Just when the group feared all was lost, when they weren't sure how to continue or if they even could, they found that they were not, not even there, beyond the reach of God's love and grace. Not walls and not locked doors, not failure or shame kept Jesus from coming to them. And nothing can keep Jesus from coming to us in love. Peace be with you, he said again and again, and in his saying it, it is granted. Peace that quiets the questions and doubts, peace that calms troubled hearts and soothes rattled souls, Peace be with you, Jesus says. And in his showing his fatal wounds, he proved that all they feared and all we fear has now been defeated. In his hands and in his side, we see that all of the ways we fall short can be redeemed by God's mercy and grace. One of the many things that I see and hear in this familiar Easter evening tale is assurance that Jesus comes to us where we are as we are, looking on us in love, granting us peace, and then sending us out with purpose and mission for the sake of the gospel. This gospel account assures us that our risen Lord Jesus doesn't wait until we are worthy of his presence, doesn't wait until we are prepared to receive him, before he simply shows up in our midst. Notice that what the story didn't say is that Jesus came and stood among them when they had worked out their feelings and reached a place of acceptance. It didn't say Jesus came and stood among them once they had repented of their terrible sins and shortcomings and reconciled themselves to one another. Jesus didn't come when they could finally stop crying or when their doubting and questions gave way to perfect faith. Jesus didn't come just as soon as they could agree on a systematic theology to make sense of what God had just done. 
Jesus didn't come when they finally became good and godly people. It simply says, Jesus came and stood among them. During this Easter season, we celebrate that God is bigger than death, bigger than all of our failures and shortcomings, all of our inability to believe. God's power to overcome all of these things means that there is nothing that can stop Jesus from coming to us and from coming to us where we are, as we are. So when your relationships are straining, when uncertainty clouds your vision, when you are at your lowest, your saddest, your most hopeless and despairing, listen for those Easter evening words from Jesus. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And then come out of the locked room of your despair and join Mary and all the rest in joyful witness to the resurrection. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.